Good morning, welcome again. We are in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. If you have a blue Bible, I don't know why I said that, I don't even know what the page number is. It's somewhere towards the end. Matthew 6, starting at verse 25. This is Jesus' famous teaching on anxiety. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Won't he much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we anxious and worried people ask for your peace and your mercy upon us as we consider this beautiful teaching from your son Jesus. Help us to trust you. Help us to live as we really are, as beloved adopted children who don't need to worry about the future. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. When you stop and think about it, what Jesus is actually saying here is incredibly shocking. He says, don't be anxious about your life. Is it too good? Too naive? Too simplistic to be true? You might be tempted to take what Jesus is saying here and treat it like I treat my junk mail. You get it? You immediately see that it cannot possibly apply to you and you throw it away. Can what Jesus is saying here, can it really apply to me? There is so much to worry about. Exploding inflation, global pandemic, rising crime, cultural decline, a looming election, and oh yeah, we are probably closer to nuclear war than we've been since the Cuban Missile Crisis. But even apart from geopolitics, macroeconomics, there's also still all the normal things to worry about. Uh, How do I make friends? What's going to happen 
when I change schools next year? Uh, how uh, do I find a spouse? How am I going to pay these bills? My declining health, my wayward children, an icy marriage, aging needy parents. We worry about all those kinds of things all the time. But Jesus goes even further and even deeper. He does not just say, don't worry about the stock market, even though you shouldn't worry about it. Right on the heels of Jesus teaching us about how we don't have to let money rule our hearts, he says, you know, you don't really have to worry about starving to death. Now remember that Jesus is saying all this in a world where almost everybody is living at a bare subsistence level. Where only a handful of people can afford to own more than one set of clothing. And Jesus has the gall to say to them, you don't have to be worried. God is your loving father. He's going to give you what you need. He's a much better provider than money. Jesus has told us in verse 24, he says, you can't serve God in money. And then right on the heels of that, he says, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or your body, what you're going to wear. Three times in the passage, Jesus says that we should not be anxious. It's a really simple point, but incredibly difficult to accept, even in a world like ours of such affluence and luxury. Now, Jesus is, of course, giving this as a command. He's saying, don't worry. Don't be anxious. But I don't think he's saying it in a way that's like him wagging his finger at us. Like, hey, knock that off. You are being really naughty. No more of this. Uh, I, I think it's actually, even though it's in the form of a command, I think it's really more of a consolation. It's an encouragement. It's like what a loving parent is saying when they tell a little kid, hey, don't be afraid. Is the parent wagging their finger at the kid, commanding them, hey, stop that, you're being really bad. No, of course not. What they're saying is, hey, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be anxious. It's going to be okay. This whole passage is Jesus doing that. It's Jesus telling us, you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be worried. It's like a kaleidoscope as you go through this passage. You look through it and you're seeing all these different reasons that you don't have to be worried. But before I dive into all of these wonderful reasons that Jesus gives us, not to be anxious, let me deal with a couple of questions or objections. Uh, First of all, Jesus is here. He's not blessing laziness. He's not blessing foolishness. Jesus is teaching frazzled and jittered worriers. This is not a teaching for slackers and moochers. The Bible has something much different to say to them than what Jesus is saying here. Uh, The second thing is that anxiety and fear and worry are not always wrong. They're not always wrong. Uh, The Apostle Paul says in one of his letters, uh, he gives this list of all the things that he suffered in the course of following and obeying Jesus, and a lot of it was really horrific and traumatic. And then he gets to the end of the list, and he says, you know, the worst suffering of all is my anxiety for the churches. Jesus himself was profoundly troubled and anxious in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was staring down into the abyss of God's coming wrath. There are things that we should be troubled about and worried about. 
But more often than not, we're worried about things that we shouldn't be or don't need to be. Or we are telling ourselves that we have a right to be worried when the reality is that we just are not really trusting that God is our loving Father. The last thing I want to say before we dive in is that what Jesus is saying here is not a blanket promise of ease or comfort or even of survival. Jesus says that as God's beloved children, he famously says, you don't need to worry because look, God's taking care of those birds out there. He likes you more than them. He'll take care of you. Some of you are hearing that and you're thinking, well, I saw a bird dead in the gutter on the way to church this morning. (laughs) Birds die all the time. Jesus says, don't worry about your life, about food or about drink or about clothing. But there are a lot of Christians in the world who are starving or who are naked. Has God forgotten about them? Uh, Some of the kids who died this week in this shooting are Christians. Has God failed them? Has he failed their families? No. God is still providing exactly what's needed for them and for us with perfect love and wisdom and faithfulness. Jesus is promising that God will provide the basic necessities for his children. This often happens through the generosity of his other children taking care of them. But of course, even though we know God promises to give us what we need, to give us our basic material needs, there will come a point where every single one of us will die. Some of us are going to die in very painful, very lonely, or very traumatic ways. But even then... Especially then, our Father will provide for us. He is and He will be with us in death. He delivers us through death. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Jesus' main point here is that God is a loving Father who really will take care of you You can and you should trust Him to provide even in the midst of great suffering and lack. But if we cynically or fearfully dwell on exceptions to this basic encouragement that God provides what you need to survive in the world, you are missing Jesus' entire point. So with some questions raised and confronted, uh, let's now start looking through the kaleidoscope all of these amazing reasons that Jesus is saying you really don't need to be anxious. The first one, uh, verse 25, is uh, an, an argument from priorities. He says, isn't life, literally it says, isn't the soul more than food and the body more than clothing? So much of the cultural and social and economic misery of the last two years has come about because of a basic reduction of life to bare biological survival. Our society does not really care about the afterlife or even believe in it. We often live in this society as if life is all about comfort and pleasure now. Get it while you can. And so, of course, generally speaking, our society is terrified of death. But Jesus is reminding us that there are much more important things than even your most basic needs. 
Things like food and clothing and health. Those things are important, but Jesus is saying there are more important things. Jesus is not saying, you know, there's more to life than video games. Well, of course, there's more to life than video games. That's obvious. Jesus is saying, this is amazing when you think about it. Jesus is saying, there is more to life than not starving to death. Many of us have no idea even what it is like to not know where we're going to get our food for tomorrow. Remember who Jesus is talking to. Jesus is saying, you have a loving, heavenly Father who made you to know Him. Hunger, sickness, thirst, loneliness, poverty, death, none of those things have to touch your soul. None of those things have to stop you from enjoying the smile of your heavenly Father. So Jesus says, why would you worry about them? Those things are important, but they're not the most important. In verse 26, Jesus gives us another reason you don't have to worry. He makes an argument from God's creation. He says, pay attention to the birds. So many of us are glued to our phones and our screens, which, of course, has a lot to do with why we are such an unusually anxious culture. We spend very little time outside. We spend very little time staring at things and paying attention to them and watching them. Jesus says, slow down, look around, focus on the things God has made. It will be good for your anxious hearts. Jesus says, look at all those birds out there. I mean, imagine Jesus is up, he's teaching, he's teaching outside to a lot of people. He's pointing, he says, look at those birds over there. They don't have 401ks. They don't make spreadsheets. They're not grinding through emails. And yet, he says, your heavenly Father is feeding them. God cares about the birds, even the boring and the common and the forgettable birds, because he made them. And so Jesus says, aren't you more valuable than these birds? Don't you matter more to God than grackles? And so, friends, if you trust in the Lord Jesus this morning... You are an adopted and a beloved child of the God who is keeping every planet and every electron in their orbits. God will take care of you. Life is about much more than survival. That's true. But Jesus is also saying that God cares about your survival. God will see to it. He will provide material things for you in this world. God will see to your survival for just as long as he so lovingly and wisely desires. He loves and he cares for each one of his creatures, but he loves you so much more. With his own son, Jesus, as your brother, how could he not? We have good reasons to be worried, but as one author puts it, Jesus is saying we have better reasons not to be worried. Let's keep going. More of the kaleidoscope. Look at verse 27. Here's the third reason Jesus gives. Uh, First, he talked about priorities. Then he talked about creation. Now he's going to talk about the absurdity of worry. He says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Worrying does not actually change anything. We worry and we deal with worry through overeating and substance abuse and pornography. We do those things because it gives us a sense of control. 
in the midst of uncertainty and suffering. But the reality is that we have never been in control. Anxiety does not give us more money. It does not give us better health. It does not make us any safer. We know, of course, it actually shortens your life. There was a really big study uh, of COVID hospitalizations last summer looking at over a year's worth of of numbers. Uh, It said, found out, after age and obesity, the number one factor for death from COVID was anxiety. More than diabetes, more than COPD. Anxiety is ruining our lives. Jesus is saying, anxiety is not going to make your life any better. It's not going to make your life any longer. It might feel that way. It might make you feel like you're in control or you can do something. But Jesus reminds us that our lives are ruled by a kind and a loving and a wise father. A father who has forgiven us. A father who is blessing us in the midst of our weakness and our frailty. We are not God. And God does not expect us to be God. He expects you to be just what you are. A frail, dependent creature. We can trust him as we admit how truly helpless and how truly out of control we really are. You don't need to worry and you don't need to mask your worry with a bottle of wine. You have a father who loves you and cares for you. Jesus goes on, gives us another reason, kaleidoscope again, verses 28 to 30. He makes a second argument from creation. First, he said, hey, pay more attention to the birds. God is taking care of them, and he likes you a lot more than he likes them. But now he says, hey, while you're at it, you should also pay more attention to these wildflowers. He says, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, not even King Solomon in all his glory was ever dressed like one of these. Jesus points to regular old wildflowers there in the grass as he's teaching. Uh, Nothing fancy. Many of them, of course, we would consider weeds. And Jesus says, wow, look at this. These are so beautiful. They are even more beautiful than the most luxurious clothing of the ultra-rich or the ultra-cool. God delights in beauty. He has filled his creation with it. We have a lot of it here in Texas. We have blue bonnets, Indian paintbrushes, brown-eyed Susans, Mexican hats even, and they even have great names. We are surrounded with beauty. And Jesus says, you need to pay more attention to it. He says, wow, look at these flowers. God clothes them with breathtaking splendor. Even though they quickly die, even though they bow to the ravages of the suburban lawnmower, Jesus says, wow, what an extravagant God we have. He's willing to make even these so beautiful. And so if he does that, Jesus says, won't he clothe you, O you of little faith? Your father knows what you need. He will see to your clothing, your sustenance, your survival. He'll even provide it for you, not in drab, grays, and browns. God loves lavish, overflowing, undeserved beauty. He will provide it for you. God cares more about you than he cares about grackles and he's more concerned with you than he is with brown-eyed Susans. Luther says here, commenting on this passage, Martin Luther says, the birds and the flowers sing 
and preach to us and smile at us so lovingly just to have us believe. The Father will generously meet your needs in this world. He's guiding you on your way to a world of eternal wealth and beauty. He will not leave you. And Jesus takes a breather here in verse 31. He reminds us, in case we are missing the point in the midst of all of this flurry of images, reminding us again, hey, you don't need to be anxious. But just in case you still are not convinced, he gives us even more reasons not to be worried. He goes on. He says his disciples don't need to be worried because we're a special people. Because we are different from the world. We are the people who enjoy the Father's particular attention and love. That's what it means to be forgiven, to be adopted. Jesus says, The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them all. Jesus says, The nations and the peoples who are living around you, people who are in your neighborhood, you go to work with them, you're at the grocery store with them. Jesus says, Don't you see what their lives are like? Their whole lives are built around anxiously attempting to survive and secure the future. In Jesus' world, the Greeks and the Romans, those are the Gentiles, they had all these religious rituals. There's temples on every corner. There's all kinds of sacrifices that they made in order to get the gods to do something for them. But none of it was driven by confidence that their gods loved them. It was driven by a lack of confidence. It was driven by fear of chaos. Jesus says, you don't have to live like that. Your God is not like their gods. He's speaking so tenderly and intimately about the love of the Father for each one of his children. This is something that's totally new in the ancient world, something you don't find in Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam, something you certainly do not find in a world that believes that this world is a closed system, that we're on our own, that we must be the masters of our own fates until in the end, too bad, so sorry, the universe is going to die anyways and heat death. Jesus says, you don't need to run around worried like everybody else. His disciples, the beloved children of the Father, because you should be marked by a countercultural, otherworldly, non-anxiety. The world does not know God as their Father. So, of course, they're anxious and stressed. Of course, they will sometimes accuse you of being unloving and hard-hearted when you're not stressing out and worried about the same things that they are. We don't need to be afraid of suffering or of poverty or of war or of political defeat or of pandemics. Not because these things are not going to happen to us, but rather because we know that if and when they do, we still rest under the loving care of the Father. Jesus knows that we need to know how much our Father loves us. The Father knows what we need. He's going to give it to us according to His perfect kindness and wisdom. And so our peace in the midst of suffering and danger and death is one of the greatest ways that Christians have to testify, to bear witness to the good news of Jesus. We don't have to be anxious like everybody else does. You don't need to worry, not even about the most basic necessities like food and clothing. Your Father's taking care of you. 
Instead of worrying, Jesus says we should dedicate our energy and our time and our resources to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus says, and oh yeah, do that and all these other things. They'll be added to you. They're just kind of an afterthought. We do have a lot of needs. Of course we do. We're just creatures. Being a creature means you're needy. But our highest priority should be God's rule, God's way of life. We should be building our lives around his heavenly, eternal kingdom. It's a kingdom that will one day be ours fully in the future, beyond the grave. But at the same time, because Jesus has risen from the dead in the midst of our world, it's also a kingdom that's already ours partially in the present, through the church. And so living as citizens of God's already slash not yet kingdom has all kinds of major implications for our day-to-day lives in our work and in our families and in our relationships. That's what Jesus means when he says it has its own kind of righteousness. We should be seeking to honor and please our loving Father in everything that we do. We should cherish faith, hope, and love far more than we cherish survival, security, and safety. God will generously provide for your worldly needs. But his greatest gift is his own loving and kingly presence. Enjoying and reflecting that should be our greatest priority. One last reminder, verse 34. Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I love this verse. Jesus is saying with striking realism, he says, man, one day is bad enough. Why worry about everything else? You don't have to. He says, your father is with you every single day, even today, with all of its troubles, and hassles, and fears. There's been times in my own life where I have had to literally talk myself through this verse. Uh, Do I have enough food to eat today? Yes, I have enough food to eat today. Do I have somewhere to sleep tonight? Yes, I have somewhere to sleep tonight. Okay. Jesus says, you can be done worrying now. God will take care of the rest. Don't be anxious about your life. Is it too good to be true? Can it possibly apply to us or to our family or to our world? Yes, yes, yes. If you are a Christian this morning, what that means is that you have God as your Father. That means that the Father is your greatest treasure. And you already have Him. You don't have to try to get Him. You don't have part of Him. You have Him as your very own. There is so much more to life, Jesus said, than staying alive. The Father cares for the littlest creatures, and He'll certainly care for you too, because He loves you a lot more than He does them. The Father sustains your life. Worrying is not going to add one second to it. The Father has made you his very own. You are a special people. He has adopted you into his family. You don't need to worry like everybody else does. Seek first the kingdom of your loving Father. And all these things, Jesus says, will be added to you. Let's pray. Father, help us to trust you. Help us in the midst of the littleness of our faith. 
Uh, We're so quick to get wound up and worried and think that you've forgotten or you will fail us. Even when we look back and we can see all the ways you've always taken care of us, uh, we wonder if maybe we've used up all of your good favor. So forgive us and help us. Help us to be a a joyful people, a people who are marked by countercultural non-anxiety. But even when we do worry, Lord, help us to bring that worry to you and to find your mercy and your grace to go forward with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.